Thanks to the wonderful folks at Anchor.fm. Coming to you almost live from our studios in New York, this is Tom Reads Your Story. Join voice actor Tom Zanian as he reads from social media, his own spoken word projects, and plays music for you Spotify premium listeners. And now, here's your host, voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. Thank you very much. Hello, everyone. I'm Tom Zania. Thanks for stopping by. I'm glad you're here. We'll have your words from social media right after this word from audible.com. Jeff Corey made a name for himself in the 1940s as a character actor in films like Joan of Arc and The Killers. Everything changed in 1951 when he refused to name names and was promptly blacklisted. He embarked on a career as one of the industry's most revered acting instructors. His memoir, Improvising Out Loud, My Life Teaching Hollywood How to Act, written by Jeff Corey with his daughter Emily Corey, provides a unique and personal perspective on the man whose teaching inspired some of Hollywood's biggest names. The afterlife is not at all what Jack Duffy had expected. A failed suicide attempt launches him into a world that continually tests his ability to forgive and forget. In The Borrowed Souls, written by Paul B. Kohler, Jack Duffy will be compelled to make decision after decision about who gets to live and who will lose their soul. In war-torn Okinawa, there is the story told by a young kamikaze pilot only moments before flying his fighter plane into the side of an American battleship. I know why the waters of the sea taste of salt is written by the poetic master of modern-day horror, Steve Vernon. All three of these great audiobooks are narrated by Tom Zania. Listen to them today by visiting audible.com. And we are back. What a mess. Folks, I have an apology to make to you. Last week was our 60th episode, 60th podcast episode, here at Tom Reads Your Story. And what happened was this. Uh, I submitted the show to Spotify, which is what you have to do uh, when you borrow Spotify's songs, which is what I did. I had five songs, good ones, in my opinion, and I think in your opinion, and they have to be submitted to Spotify. And, of course, I got the message back after 24 hours that everything's fine and it's available on Spotify. No, it wasn't. It was nowhere. And the thing that irked me so much is that when you use music from Spotify, the podcast can only be heard on Spotify. Never mind the fact that you can only listen to the songs if you have premium. 
Never mind that. So I had no way for anyone to listen to my 60th episode. And as of one, as of uh, right now, uh, last I checked, only one person has listened to that episode, and that was me. <laughs> Listening it, to it uh, here at home. So anyway, uh, I'm sorry about that. Now, as for uh, Spotify and all of their wonderful songs, that is all up in the air right now. Um, all I can tell you is I don't want to run into this problem ever again. And I don't know if that's going to happen. So today there will be no music. Uh, I do have four very good uh, posts from Facebook, excuse me. And um, one is called From Sir Anthony, Hopkins, that is, and also uh, Thoughts on the Wizard of Oz, that's by Rodney, Leibowitz and Marr, that's the Fran Leibowitz-Bill Marr interview, um, that's by Francine, and Thankful for Sleep, which is by Buck. So anyway, that is what happened last week. Uh, apparently, it's been fixed. And they did show me a, uh, a what do you call it, a web shot uh, showing it is on Spotify. And I did check it. It is there. And, uh, well, that's it. You can listen to the 60th episode if you want to. I hope you do. Uh, but again, it was five days late. And uh, hopefully... That won't happen again. And like I said, as for the music aspect of the show, that's all up in the air right now. I may try it next week. I may not. Uh, so, hate to start out with bad news like that, but that's what I had to do. I had to get that message to you. And um, let's start out. And, and the first one we have today, posting from Facebook, Um is called From Anthony. And um, it's basically, it's, it's something about how in life we try to fit in when we shouldn't, when we should walk away. I think you know what I mean. Uh, so here's the first one from Anthony Hopkins. From Sir Anthony Hopkins by Joey This has the power to change our lives for the better. Sir Anthony Hopkins Let go of the people who are not prepared to love you. This is the hardest thing you will have to do in your life, and it will also be the most important thing. Stop having hard conversations with people who don't want change. Stop showing up for people who have no interest in your presence. I know your instinct is to do everything to earn the appreciation of those around you, but it's a boost that steals your time, energy, mental and physical health. When you begin to fight for a life with joy, interest and commitment, 
not everyone will be ready to follow you in this place. This doesn't mean you need to change what you are. It means you should let go of the people who aren't ready to accompany you. If you are excluded, insulted, forgotten, or ignored by the people you give your time to, you don't do yourself a favor by continuing to offer your energy and your life. The truth is that you are not for everyone, and not everyone is for you. That's what makes it so special when you meet people who reciprocate love. You will know how precious you are. The more time you spend trying to make yourself loved by someone who is unable to, the more time you waste depriving yourself of the possibility of this connection to someone else. There are billions of people on this planet, and many of them will meet with you at your level of interest and commitment. The more you stay involved with people who use you as a pillow, a background option or a therapist for emotional healing, the longer you stay away from the community you want. Maybe if you stop showing up, you won't be wanted. Maybe if you stop trying, the relationship will end. Maybe if you stop texting your phone, will stay dark for weeks. That doesn't mean you ruined the relationship. It means the only thing holding it back was the energy that only you gave to keep it. This is not love. It's attachment. It's wanting to give a chance to those who don't deserve it. You deserve so much. There are people who should not be in your life. The most valuable thing you have in your life is your time and energy, and both are limited. When you give your time and energy, it will define your existence. When you realize this, you begin to understand why you are so anxious when you spend time with people in activities, places, or situations that don't suit you and shouldn't be around you. Your energy is stolen you will begin to realize that the most important thing you can do for yourself and for everyone around you is to protect your energy more fiercely than anything else. Make your life a safe haven in which only compatible people are allowed. You are not responsible for saving anyone. You are not responsible for convincing them to improve. It's not your work to exist for people and give your life to them. If you feel bad, if you feel compelled, you will be the root of all your problems, fearing that they will not return the favor you have granted. It's your only obligation to realize that you are the love of your destiny and accept the love you deserve. Decide that you deserve true friendship, commitment, true and complete love with healthy and prosperous people. Then wait and see how much everything begins to change. Don't waste time with people who are not worth it. Change will give you the love, the esteem, happiness, and the protection you deserve. So, 
This next one is about one that I'm sure you can identify with. Uh, We've all seen The Wizard of Oz many times. I can't even, I've lost count as to how many times I've seen that movie, but it's a wonderful movie. It's based on the Broadway show, um, The Wizard of Oz, or at least very loosely. And um, I think Buddy Ebsen was the one who was supposed to be in it. He was in the Broadway musical. And he had to drop out of the film. He was supposed to do the same part in the film, but the makeup got into his skin and almost killed him or something like that. And uh, so anyway, um, this is by Rodney. It's about, it's, it's about the meaning of the movie. Thoughts on The Wizard of Oz. Thoughts on The Wizard of Oz by Rodney. People are always asking me for my favorite film, and I haven't got one. But if I had a list of five, four might change, but The Wizard of Oz will always be there. I have no idea how many times I've seen this film, but every time, I always see something new. For instance, tonight I noticed for the first time that all the men in Oz have the same shiny black hair. Here's something else I was thinking about. I think most people think the message of that film is the last line, there's no place like home. I probably thought that too, but tonight I was thinking, this whole film is about finding wholeness, not so much finding it, but revealing that which is within you that makes you whole. The wizard doesn't give any of the four gifts that they didn't already have. As the song says, what he does is recognize and illuminate something they don't see in themselves. He doesn't really take Dorothy home. He can't do that. And the message isn't that Dorothy always had the power to go back. It's that she always had the power to leave. What's fascinating is that much of this story deals with Dorothy's subconscious. Well, Baum wrote this story in 1900, which predates Freud's work on the subconscious by 15 years. Think about this. Baum was born to a fairly well-off East Coast family and probably could have lived his life happily with his family's connections, which were substantial. But he never felt he belonged and chose to leave and pursue his dreams, a choice that gave him success, but also years of desperate failure. Eight years before writing Oz, Baum had moved to the Dakota Territory, a land that, like Kansas in the book, had recently been laid to waste by drought, rendering it hungry and gray. But it was a land full of people like himself, those who were dissatisfied with home and left. The one thing we know at the beginning of the film is that Dorothy doesn't belong in Kansas. Dorothy has no blood connection to Kansas. We never know anything about her parents, and it is not certain that Aunt Em and Uncle Henry are blood relatives. All we know for sure about Kansas is that Dorothy, whom Baum named for a baby who had died, never feels as if she belongs there. I could argue that 
Dorothy's three companions all represent subconscious sides of her own journey to leave. The Scarecrow, who is afraid he isn't intelligent enough. One of the things that often holds people back is the fear that everyone out there is much more special. The Tin Man, he is afraid he doesn't have a heart that he cannot love. Dorothy has two people back in Kansas who love her dearly. By longing to leave their home, is she not rejecting their love? The Lion, Courage. What is a better definition of courage than taking a blind leap into the unknown? Everyone who has ever left can tell you the terror in those first nights. The places are inspired by Baum's often painful journey. The Emerald City was based on a building in the community of Castle Park outside Holland, Michigan, where Baum spent summers. The yellow brick road from the military school he was sent to. When he wrote the story, he was living in Chicago, and it was during the famous World's Fair, a celebration of expansion. All along this journey, Baum was often visited by disaster, failure, and pain. But he never went back. One of the things that distinguishes Oz is that it is the first American fairy tale, and America is an entire nation built by people who did not belong where nature had placed them. As someone who has had to several times leave a home they loved for personal growth, thinking about this gives this story an even more special meaning. But now, the last line feels false. Instead of, oh, Auntie M, there's no place like home, a more fitting line might be, oh, Auntie M, I now know why I haven't been happy. Help me leave. I can see why they didn't choose that line. And I'm glad they didn't. But truth isn't always a happy ending. So this next one is uh, about the interview between Fran Lebowitz and Bill Maher. Now, I'm a sometime fan of Bill Maher. Sometimes he really hits the nail on the head for me, and sometimes he doesn't. But uh, he had Fran Lebowitz on, who, Francine, who wrote the post that you're going to hear, Francine got a little upset because Bill Maher wouldn't let Leibowitz talk. He kept talking over her, which I understand. And I've heard him do this with other guests on the show. And I think what happens is that he's under all this pressure to keep time. The producer says, you got to hurry up because you got to go to your panel, you know, the big panel that discusses things. So that might be it. Or maybe he's just a jerk. I don't know. Um, Anyway, uh, here it is, uh, Leibowitz and Marr. Leibowitz and Marr by Francine Watched Bill Marr last night. His featured guest was Fran Leibowitz. She and her beloved New York City were the subjects of Martin Scorsese's documentary, Pretend It's a City. It's a seven-episode Netflix series. Catch it if you can. It was fantastic. Basically, 
It was a vehicle for Leibowitz to walk around New York City and muse on the storied life she has lived there for the past 50 years. She shared personal anecdotes of her relationships with famous artists, business titans, political leaders, and musicians. My favorite? Her story about Charles Mingus and the time, mid-gig, when he jumped off stage to chase her out of the club and down the street due to a perceived slight. Anyway, Marr is a big Fran fan, and the point of his interview was to highlight what a terrific year she has had despite the pandemic. She is famously poor due to what she terms as writer's blockade, but her wit and timing are unstoppable, so she often makes the rounds on the college-speaking circuit. He predicted that she will have a huge financial comeback in the next year or two because of the series. But here's the thing. He talked over her through the whole interview. Leibowitz has a particular patter when she talks, and that patter is integral to her storytelling and its resultant hilarity. She could not get that going because of Mars' incessant boorish behavior. And yet, he was lauding her while simultaneously tripping her up. She was not as vexed as I was, however. And that is what I am pondering this morning. It seems that since COVID, I am super sensitive to silencing and or cruel behavior, particularly on the talking head shows. So I avoid them. It is easier now that the previous resident has been silenced. So I tuned in to see my girl Fran, and the dynamic between she and Mar conjured many moments with men where their seeming admiration of me did not produce productive results. For real, years ago I met a guy through a friend, and he asked me out. On our first date, he corrected my grammar three times. I am talking before we even got to the car. I was in a particularly salty place in my life, and I said, Are you going to do that all night? because it is really boring and we can end the date right now if that is going to continue. It freaked him out, and he was extremely solicitous of me the rest of the evening, which annoyed me even more than his feeble grammar power play. Ugh. It reminds me of the old-timey trope where boy crushes on girl and proves his love by dipping her braid in the inkwell. It is 2021, and I certainly hope we have moved past this dynamic. But I am not sure. It is a strong undercurrent in our culture. Don't get me wrong, I know lots of woke men. Lucky me. But to those of you who are annoyed by this post, perhaps you can watch my upcoming documentary on the WTF network about women, men, and the art of engagement called Pretend They Are People. Okay, rant over. Go back to your day drinking and or worshipping. And if you are Catholic, you can do both at the same time. This is one from uh, Buck, and it's called Thankful for Sleep. He's mostly talking about those persons that work nights. A lot of you. I think, especially nowadays, can identify with us. And of course, especially our medical personnel during this time. Thankful for Sleep by Buck. Thankful for Sleep 
by Buck. I am blessed in a thousand ways and never ever take any of those blessings for granted. Well, one maybe. Sleep. I have close friends for whom sleep is a sometimes thing and I know what they're missing. I go to bed, I go to sleep. I dream a lot, but that just makes sleep more entertaining. But for some reason, last night I just couldn't stop being awake. Couldn't find the sweet spot, couldn't let go of the day. So I got up and spent the night in a living room recliner, thinking about how lucky I am that this is so rare for me. I also thought about all the people for whom nighttime is not meant for sleep. The medical workers, long-haul truckers, cops, firemen, all-night grocery clerks, and third shifters whose sleep cycles are so upended that normalcy may never come back to them. 65 years ago, I was one of them. On the air from midnight to five, my coast-to-coast show without a name, keeping them company as they did what they did for the rest of us. This sleepless night was a good reminder that our days are made better by those who toil through the night. So, as we come toward the end of the show, uh, I know I already apologized about what happened last week, but it just, oh, man. You know, you put when you put a lot of work into something, and, and you know, maybe you think I don't, but last week I did, and the show did not show up for five days. And now I don't know if anyone's going to listen to it now. So, whatever. Uh, that brings us to the end of yet another episode of Tom Reads Your Story. If you enjoyed your visit today, please tell your friends because we're always looking for new ones. Be sure to email me at tomreadyourstory at yahoo.com if you have questions or comments about the show. As always, thanks, anchor.fm, for the opportunity. I greatly appreciate it. Till next time, stay safe, everyone. Bye now. For more information, on Tom's availability for your e-learning, commercial, or audiobook project. Visit his website at www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. We hope you visit us again soon for another episode of Tom Reads Your Story.